Welcome to Gateway Church Online. What a awesome experience that we had last week. It started with a, a moving communion service in our homes that we were able to experience communion with our families. Uh, then it moved to a, a sunrise service down by the river uh, on Sunday morning, Easter morning. And it concluded with a, a time of powerful worship and uh, an inspiring story. And the responses that, that we've had uh, all week about the positives that happened uh, throughout this unique Easter experience, uh, they've been pretty amazing. Uh, more people heard the gospel than ever before, uh, but now Easter is over. So what do we do? Uh, the tomb is empty, but so are the church buildings all across America. And I know that the longer that this goes on, the, the harder it, it becomes. Uh, it's starting to wear on a lot of people. I mean, even the introverts are ready for this to end. With each passing day, we're facing new challenges. We're facing new fears. With each passing day, more and more people are falling into depression and losing hope. Uh, suicide hotlines, they've, calls have went up by 800%. Uh, there have been uh, lines launched all across this country for COVID-19 support, people who, who are depressed. So what are we to do? How are we to deal with this? You see, there's a book written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Now, this was the first church that Paul planted in Europe, and it was planted about 52 AD. And so he writes this letter about 10 or 12 years later. And the purpose of this letter is, is to help mature them. And the theme of this letter, the theme of this book, it's a topic that I feel is very timely right now. In this book, four chapters, in most Bibles, it's two pages. You could read it in 15 minutes. But in those four chapters, the word joy or rejoice is mentioned 16 times. Now, you're probably thinking, how could we find joy when things are as they are? I mean, it's hard enough to have joy when things are normal, when life is going as we expect. How are we expected to find joy with the circumstances like they are? Well, Paul says in chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, rejoice. Now, the irony of this is that he is writing this from prison. New Testament books, they weren't in chronological order. They were grouped together as types of books. And the book of Philippians is grouped with the prison epistles. In other words, letters that Paul wrote while in prison. So Paul is writing this letter while he is in a Roman jail. Now, this jail, this prison was nothing like what we think of today. It was underground. No light could get in. And Paul was chained to a Roman guard. He was waiting to be put to death in the city of Rome. Now, Rome just happened to be uh, Paul's dream city the city that he always wanted to preach in, 
but it would never happen. So here he is sitting in prison and he begins to write. In Philippians chapter one, verse three, he starts by saying, I thank my God. Now I wanna stop right there for a second because just those four words are amazing. Because I'm thinking about if it's me and I'm in prison for no reason and I'm writing to my friends, to, to people, to other believers, the last thing I'm going to say is I thank my God. I'm gonna be saying, hey, somebody bust me out of here. I'm going to be complaining. I'm gonna be saying, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know what their problem is. Why? Because it's human nature to cry, to complain, to have a bad attitude when things are bad. But on this journey, we're going to learn and understand that we can have joy on the bad days. We all have bad days. They're going to happen. And the reality is, is most of us do not do well through them. But one of the marks of being a mature Christian is how you handle them. You see, God has something for us that can change our lives. He goes on to say, verse four, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, every time I pray for you, I'm praying with joy. He says, I'm praying because, and I know, I'm confident of knowing that what was started 10 years ago, what God started, he's gonna finish. He's gonna complete. He said, I am confident it's going to happen. I mean, this is the guy that none of his dreams are coming true. This is the guy that what he wanted to happen wasn't happening. How can he have this kind of attitude? We see Paul had something better than happiness. Paul had joy. Many of us are always in the pursuit of happiness. We wanna live the American dream. We're chasing the American dream. We wanna live a happy life. I mean, we want baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. But it doesn't always work out that way. But when it doesn't, it doesn't have to wreck your life. Why? Because there is something that supersedes happiness, and that's joy. Now, joy is much harder to obtain. The truth is, is, is that very few people ever truly obtain it. I mean, people can figure out how to be happy, but they never can discover the beautiful principle of joy. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, there are some very distinct differences in happiness and joy. Uh, first of all, happiness is external. Another, in other words, happy things, we're happy when things are good on the outside. 
I mean, if the sun is shining, I'm happy. If there's money in my bank account, I'm happy. Uh, For me, if it's snowing, I'm happy. Uh, This past Tuesday night, I was thrilled because I was able to see in, in the middle of April a lot of snow, something that I love and something that I hadn't been able to see much of. But I was happy. Why? Happiness is external. Joy, on the other hand, joy is internal. Joy is not based on conditions of what you're surrounded by. We can have joy in the middle of our worst days. Now you say, Pastor, you don't really have the right to teach this. I mean, you, you don't know what my life is like. You don't have it as rough as I do. And to that, I might say, you could be right. But if there's one person that has earned the right to speak into our lives, it's Paul. Because Paul had a rough life. Second Corinthians chapter 11 tells us just a, a little bit of that. He says, five times I received 39 lashes. The same 39 lashes that Jesus took before he went to the cross, Paul received them five times. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day at, in the open sea. He crawls to an island. He's freezing. He builds a fire and a snake jumps out and bites him. I mean, Paul had it rough. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that is our, my hope for us, is that we will not allow the things on the outside to determine what's going on on the inside. Because if the outward determines the inward, you are going to be in trouble. Paul says here, he says, my light and momentary troubles. Now, from what we've read and what we've learned, uh, that's not even close to what they really were. But Paul is, is teaching us a principle. Paul is saying, I can say that because my joy outweighs happiness. Uh, Paul said, I've found something better. I've learned how to focus on the unseen and not the seen. Secondly, happiness is based on circumstance. Hap, the beginning of happiness, is Latin for the word luck or circumstance. In other words, you are at the mercy of what happens. You are standing in a circle. And what takes place inside that circle? Circumstances. And that's the place that you're dwelling. Have you ever saw 
or known of two different people going through the exact same thing, but they handle it differently. They have a different reaction. Why is that? It's because uh, some people choose to dwell in the circle that they're standing and others decide that they don't have to stay there. You see, happiness is based on circumstance, but joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your relationship with Christ. And during these four weeks, you're going to be invited to explore a a dynamic relationship with Jesus who could change your life forever. And here's what happens. When you enter into a relationship with Christ, there's two things that happen on the inside of you. The first one is supernatural. He changes you and you can't explain it. He supernaturally turns you into a brand new person. The second thing is natural. Because as you begin to walk with him, he will begin to teach you. You will have to to learn some things. And that's called discipleship. I mean, when Jesus asked one by one, his disciples to follow after him. They were supernaturally changed, but over the course of the time that they walked with him, he began to teach them. Things began to happen in the natural. You see, we're on this journey, and the goal is, is during this journey that we learn some things. Philippians chapter four, verse 11 says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Paul says, no matter what circumstance I'm in, I'm content. I have joy. Next, happiness happens by chance. Happiness, the problem with happiness is is that it is not up to you. You cannot control your circumstances. And too often we put too much thought and effort into things that we cannot control. We dwell on them. You see, joy happens by choice. That means it's up to you. You can choose joy. Today I want to to challenge you. Do not be controlled by things you cannot control. You see, too many of us, that is our journey. But there's another way. If you are at the mercy of things that you cannot control, there is something else you can do. There's something else you can choose. You can't stop your circumstances. They're going to happen. We live in a cursed earth. Disease, war, murder, hatred. I mean, just look around right now. This world is in chaos. It's all around us. But in the middle of all of that, there is a choice to be made. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, And then he says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. 
He said, make a choice that you're going to grab a hold of, of that thing that the apostle Paul did while he was bleeding and, and in prison, stuck underground. Make a choice to choose life. Make a choice to choose joy. Make the choice to be grateful and, and to be full of joy. That's what's available today. He continues to write in verse nine. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That is my prayer for us. It's my prayer that something supernatural and natural happens in your life. Paul offers three key elements, three key things as to how he's able to walk in joy. The first one is stop asking why. I mean, it is so tempting to get in the middle of a situation and start asking God why. Why is this happening? Why is it going down this way? You can die in the middle of your whys. You can stay there as long as you want to stay there, but you will never find your solution. There's some things that we will never know why. You have to be able to get over the distraction of what has happened. You can't stay there. You can't be stuck there. Why? Because there's not a whole lot of answers. You see, God never promised us that this place, that this earth would be perfect. He actually promised the exact opposite. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that's not a verse for, for a coffee cup or, or a bumper sticker. But he finished that verse by saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. So he didn't promise us that we wouldn't have trouble, but what he did promise was that we could rise above it. You see, Paul knew that no matter what happened, God always had a solution. In verse 12, he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul says, bad things have happened to me. But because of those bad things, the gospel has been advanced. Paul refused to ask why. God, why am I in prison? God, why are my dreams not coming true? He refused to ask those questions. But instead, he started asking what? God, what are you doing in this situation? God, what is your purpose? Father, what are you trying to, to teach me? You see, that's the question where you begin to discover great things about God. 
That's the question when you begin to realize that God is up to something different than your plans. Paul ends up writing a bunch of the Bible, almost two thirds of the Bible, because his plans didn't work out. Two thirds of the New Testament. You see, he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. But in that, he discovered new opportunities. In verse 13, he says this, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul is saying, because I didn't get to preach in front of a multitude of people, I didn't get to to stand on the stage, but now more people know about Jesus. Man, isn't that a word for right now? God, what are you doing in the middle of this pandemic? God, what, what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Paul said, I'm taking advantage of my circumstance. I'm not dwelling in the circumstance, but instead I'm looking for new opportunities. Paul says, you know what? I'm getting more done in here than I would be getting done out there. You see, that's taking situations and saying and realizing that there has to be something good and to begin to look for it, to begin to discover it. And mature disciples who are growing in God, that's exactly what they do. There is something good to be discovered and I'm going to discover it. It seems like that this verse comes up almost weekly now because it has been our theme verse uh, since the beginning of, of social distancing started. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Once again, Paul was writing this. And he said, I know it may look bad, but God's gonna turn it for good. You see, there's been situations in my life that have been very, and I've found myself asking why. But now I realize and I understand that why is the wrong question that instead I have to be asking and should be asking what. And what we're going through right now, God is going to turn it around for his good and for his glory. This is not an easy principle, but it's something that, that we can learn. Stop asking why, start asking what, and then we need to change what we're looking at. We need to refocus on what really matters. You see, this situation that we're in right now, I believe that a lot of people have had to slow down and to realize what's truly important in life.
And my prayer is, is that when things go back to normal, that there's a new normal. That our life doesn't go back to the way that it used to be. Completely uh, focused on things that really don't matter. You see, that's the secret to overcoming a bad day. Taking your eyes off of what doesn't matter and putting them on what truly does. Paul is getting ready to address an issue. And this is an issue that, that had been brought to his attention. You see, in Philippi, where he had planted this church, there were some other churches that had been planted. There were some other leaders who began churches, began movements, but they had bad motives. Uh, some of them were even talking bad about Paul's church, the church that he loves. So naturally, if people are talking bad about the people that you love, you would be upset. So people begin to send Paul letters and trying to, to tell them and to get him upset. But Paul refused. In verse 15, he writes this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Here's the key, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So to, just to put that in 2020 terms, Paul is saying, I know they're doing this, but who cares? I know it's happening, but so what? He says, I'm not focused on the trivial things. I'm focused on the fact of what really matters. And what really matters is, is that no matter what their motives are, the gospel's still going forward. Paul says, you're not gonna get me upset. You're not gonna steal my joy. I'm going to stay focused. Paul decides that in the middle of this, he's going to have the right attitude. The attitude of, so what? Who cares? Man, some of us would be so much better off if we could develop this attitude. Not talking about who cares about life or, or, or so what about, but about the things that really matter. To say, I don't care about things that truly don't matter. You see, bad days plagued Paul. It wasn't just this one prison experience. His life was like this all the time. Paul was continually having bad days, but yet he was continually choosing joy. Paul, we're gonna put you back in jail. That's okay. There's more people in there that need to be saved. There's more books to be written. Paul, we're going to kill you. Philippians chapter one, verse 21, he writes this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, what do you do with someone that has that kind of attitude? You can't do anything with him. 
Paul says, you know what? It's great if I live, that's Christ. But if I die, it's even better. In other words, he's saying, because I know Jesus, there's no way I can lose. And some of you need to hear that. That needs to resonate in your spirit. There is no way you can lose if you know him. Oh, Paul was saying, because I know him, you cannot mess me up. Second Timothy chapter four, verse 18 says this. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, God's gonna bring me through it. And in the end, he's gonna bring me into his presence and into his kingdom. In other words, when you know Christ, you are in a win-win situation. When you know Christ, there's no devil in hell that can steal your joy. Now, if you're listening today or watching today and you don't know Christ, you can't know true joy. The most important decision of your life is making the decision to know him. Because in order to experience true, pure joy, you have to know him. You see, sin is a barrier between you and God. And just as we experienced and celebrated last week, Jesus came to destroy that barrier. And if that's you, if you're listening today and you say, Pastor, I don't know him. You need your sins forgiven. You need to draw close to God. And so I want to challenge you today. Make that decision. You say, well, how do I do that? It's very simple. We're going to pray. And if you want to, to know Christ, if you want that barrier to be destroyed, then I'm going to ask you, to pray this prayer, repeat this prayer with me. And it's simply this. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I give you my life. Be the Lord of it. Change me. Today I choose to follow you with all my heart. In your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, the Bible assures us that something supernatural happened in your life. God has created you and made you a brand new person. You say, well, pastor, I've made that decision. I'm already, I've had that supernatural experience, but I'm still struggling. I'm still looking for joy. And my prayer for you 
is the second part of what he wants to do on the inside, and that is something natural. That you begin to, to walk and to know that you can choose joy. That you begin to, to understand and realize that there's nothing this world or this enemy can do to steal your joy if you choose it. We're gonna pray for those of you who are struggling with finding true joy, those who are constantly in the pursuit of happiness. Father, I come before you today and God, I thank you for the, your supernatural power. God, I pray that for those who may be struggling right now, those who are struggling with fear and depression or happiness, Father, that you will allow them to know that they can choose joy and that they can have joy based on their relationship with you. God, I pray that you will speak peace into the lives of your children. And God, that every day, our desire will be to be more like you. Father, fill us with your joy, true, pure, joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do over the next three weeks as we continue to look at the book of Philippians. I pray that you have a great day and go knowing that your joy is not based on circumstance.